And away we go. Welcome back to another episode of Motoring Millennials with Anthony Lucci and Zach Rothenberger. Zach, how you doing tonight, man? Oh, we're good. You know, I think uh, spring fever is starting to hit. I'm getting itchy. I'm getting itchy. Uh, <laughs> you know, the sun's out. Daylight savings time. It's warmer. Hopefully, hopefully you're itchy in the right places, not the wrong ones. Yeah, I hope so. Well, thankfully, it's been in the right places. So knock on what it stays that way, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, spring fever is real. It's uh, starting to get warm. We've been talking. I, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know how we've been struggling over the last couple of months waiting for uh, car season, car season, car weather, whatever you want to call it, to come back around. And it's finally here. And uh, we're, we're getting some stuff done. Zach, you you have some uh, updates on your trailer, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, so recently bought a 20-foot enclosed trailer. Uh, 20 foot is not, you know, necessarily an ideal length, but it's it's all you need when you're only towing a car in it, you know. So um, I got it a couple weeks ago, and the guy who I got it from is phenomenal, great guy. Like, I consider him a friend after this experience, but uh, didn't necessarily wash it too much. So it's a 2001, and there was a lot of stickers on it, you know, was never really washed. Uh so I spent the last couple weekends with the old buffer. And uh, if you've been following our social media, we've been posting some progress pics on the, uh, in the old Instagram and Facebook stories. So be sure to check those out for more, but uh, yeah, it's been, been doing some buffing and actually a shiny pearly white now, you know, like, like our teeth. So, uh, yeah. and then I was buffing the, um, the diamond plate on the front this past weekend. And uh, so, yeah, so right now it's at the, uh, the trailer shop getting some uh, some other mechanical work done and getting some inspection done gonna get some aluminum wheels on it too because right now it's got some of the uh the white wheels and they're a little little rusty so uh you know it's a little it's a hefty bill to swallow but it's one of those things where you do it once and you don't have to do it again right so yeah no it's gonna be awesome so you can take take your cars to the track this season without and it's just peace of mind right so you can take your cars to the track and unfortunately if anything does happen you can you have a way to get home <laughs> yeah exactly well that and with an open trailer they're great and everything they're a little bit cheaper but at least now with an enclosed trailer like i can leave the car in there overnight if i wanted to if i got home late from a race or uh or if it's raining <clears throat> or if it's raining it's covered so you know it's it was definitely worth it's definitely worth the investment and uh it's in good shape i'm really really happy with it i'm almost I most love it as much as I love my cars, you know, believe it or not, but, uh, it's another piece of me, but, uh, yeah, no, it's an yeah. important asset and it's part of, I mean, it's just like you're just like how we've talked in on previous episodes about the importance of, of tools in the garage. Right. It's, it's, you, you kind of need it right at, at, you reach a point where it's like, all right, it's time. You need one. If you want to, if you're, you're being serious about the sport. Yeah, exactly. And you have some exciting news yourself, right, Anthony, with uh, your Trans Am for some sports? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. So I uh, got the uh, the old girl uh, cleaned up, kind of like what was in the condition, like your trailers, Zach. We, we, you know, I think that's a lot of time when you buy a car, things are uh, not as cared for as um, we personally care for them or love them, you know. So sometimes you got to show them some love. And yeah, right. so I, you know, fixed, fixed a couple things over the winter time and, um, just got the car inspected and I am getting, uh, new tires installed hopefully this week, but we'll have more on that next episode. Uh, so, you know, keep you on your toes and we're going to keep, 
updates coming on our different cars and stuff throughout the uh, spring and summer. So make sure you stay tuned. But um, before we get into the, today's episode, I uh, wanted to mention our interview with Jake Narr last week, um, which was a really great episode. He really provided a lot of insight, great stories um, from drag racing. And, you know, he's he's always awesome to have on the show. So if you didn't hear that episode, make sure you go back and check it out. But today we are going to be talking about um, women in, in drag racing, right, Zach? And um, it is we're coming towards the close of Women's History Month here in March. So we wanted to, you know, talk about some influential and important women in the sport um, who did some pretty impressive stuff. So, yeah. Oh yeah. There's uh there's definitely a lot, a lot of uh, female uh, drag racers who have really, you know, made waves and have been extremely influential, like you said, and have just had an amazing accomplishments. So we're, uh, we, we have a handful we're going to be talking about, but uh, before we get into that, we also wanted to hit on some of the news that broke, I believe it was today or yesterday regarding um, Atlanta dragway down in, in Georgia. And Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And how the NHRA announced that uh, this year will be the last NHRA Southern nationals. So if you always want to get to Atlanta um, dragway for the Southern nationals, this is their 40th anniversary. Uh, it's April 30th to May 2nd. So, you know, this is, this could be another story where we're losing another racetrack. We're not totally sure yet. This, uh, so the NHRA, a little bit of backstory, the NHRA owns, well, now they own three. They own four, one of them being Atlanta Dragway. They also own Gainesville, um, Indy, and Pomona. And uh, the details haven't really surfaced as far as who bought the racetrack from the NHRA. But uh, let's the NHRA said they're hopeful that it will remain a racetrack. But, you know, that could be a publicity stunt. We don't know. Hopefully right. that's the case. We'd love it to be, to, you know, to maintain a racetrack, to, to be continued as a racetrack, obviously. But, you know, it's upsetting news we're seeing some racetracks you know it seems like every year there's one or two notable racetracks that are you know closing or being sold or you know what have you so just a friendly reminder to you know support your local racetracks and support the sport we love while while you can and hopefully to keep it going yeah yeah it's uh it's definitely shocking news and uh nothing that we want to hear we want to hear about tracks opening right not uh, not being closed down or sold off but um, you just got to keep your fingers crossed that someone, um, in the sport who's really passionate about it purchased the track and, you know, maybe they can, you know, do even better than what the NHRA did with it. Um, you know, and there, there's a lot of small tracks that that's the NHRA doesn't, um, with the pro series, you know, track go to, um, throughout the year that still have, you know, good events and stuff. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of good tracks out there, but yeah, we, we, uh, we'll be keeping everyone updated on any news that we hear, um, about Atlanta for sure. Yeah, no, that's right. And I mean, it's kind of the purpose of why we do what we do, right. Anthony is to help promote what we love, the car hobby, the racing hobby, and hopefully, you know, keep this sport going and, and popular and fun. Right. So just got to all just keep doing our parts and, you know, enjoy what we do. Right. Yeah, and if you're a motor and millennial like us, make sure you get out to the track. You know, even if you're not racing, you got to show your support because if you don't show your support, these tracks aren't going to stay open. 
Yeah, no, you're, you're ex- exactly right. And, uh, you know, you never know how much time you got, right? So you got to seize the day, I guess. But enough yeah, that, we're getting sappy now. So besides yeah, that. I was just going to say one last thing, you know, just skip the beer garden, go to the drag strip. Yeah, you don't need to be a hipster and drink the IPAs. Go to the drag strip. No, you don't need that. No, that's not fun. No, but all right, let's get into um, let's get into the the main grit of the uh, of the topic today. So again, celebrating Women's History Month, um, we're going to talk about a couple different women who really stood out in the drag racing world. Um, I'm going to start off with Leah Pruitt, um, who um, races currently in Top Fuel. Um, for the NHRA, um, she before she raced under Bob Vandergriff, and now she's under DSR, so Don Schumacher Racing. Um, some just we got some fun facts here. So she won 2010 Nostalgia Funny Car title, um, and she has the best ET in Top Fuel of 3.631 at 334.15 miles per hour, which is pretty darn fast. I mean, I tell you, if I was going that fast down a down a, uh, a racetrack, I'd be uh, be pretty pretty scared. So, you know, these are some brave, strong women for sure. Um, she has eight top fuel wins, uh, three pro mod wins. Her first career national win was against Brittany Force in 2016, and this is a pretty cool fact. So that was the first all-female final in Top Fuel since 1982. Wow! So that was a, that must have been a really special moment for her, for sure. For sure. Um, and then she also won the uh, Factory Stock Showdown Championship in 2019. And if you go back and listen to one of our more recent podcasts, we talked about SRT, um, and you know she's racing one of the Dodge SRTs, uh, challengers, um, in that. So she's actually doing double duty on a lot of these, um, a lot of these races with top fuel and then, uh, the factory stock showdown. Um, and she, she, but she seems very active, like within the sport, you know, she, I think she loves some people, you know, that might be a lot for them to handle. And we were talking with Jake, right. About that last week, jumping between two cars, Mm-hmm. but um you know some people love it and i mean it's it's i think it's one of those things like if you get into a groove you know and you you love doing both things you can't just it's almost like being in the car hobby right it's like how many people really have one car yeah. you have a lot <laughs> yeah so exactly and so I- um but yeah she's very active you know and does a lot of water sports too like wake wakeboarding i think it's called yeah, um, i think so she's a lot of extreme sports yeah, a lot of extreme sports for sure. Um, and um, one video that's definitely you should go watch. You can I'm pretty sure you can find it on YouTube is from St. Louis, um, 2020, when her car split in half um, mid track, and she went for a pretty wild ride. Thankfully, she had that canopy on the uh, top fuel dragster um, that I believe I believe all of the dragsters or at least most of them are running them now. But, um, you know, it just goes to show the, the safety equipment in these vehicles to keep the driver safe because um, she just walked right away. But like I said, someone who she's very strong because you go you go for a ride like that and then you just get right back into a dragster. You got you got to have a lot of a lot of guts for sure. Yeah. And I think like you hit on 
uh, and as you were going over, Leah, is that she's raced and races so many different types of vehicles. Like she'll go from running a factory stock showdown car to a top fuel dragster. And it just shows the, her depth, like her, her skill set is just so wide, you know, like there's a different skill set going 300 plus miles per hour in a dragster versus, you know, banging gears in a factory stock style car. She also raced pro mod too, right? Like, yep to be able to do all that and race that many different cars and be successful and have numerous wins under her belt is uh, extremely impressive. And it just really shows her overall skill set. It's not just in one area. It's in <laughs> a handful. Yeah, no, that that's super important. Uh, that's a great point, Zach. I mean, you think about like all the small little details that when you get into a different vehicle that you have to think of, right? I mean, you can't even count them on two hands you know it's it's so you you almost have to use like a totally different section of your brain it's probably actually the same section but you have to shift your channel and like your way of thinking when you get into a different vehicle it's a whole other level of focus you know yeah like, yeah like not comparing myself to her but like i've raced a foot brake you know a nova i've raced a super pro dragster a junior dragster and some other cars and it's like you have to totally re-shift the way you think because every car it, they they feel differently there's different steps you have to do mentally and physically yep. to make it do to make it perform how it's supposed to and make yourself perform how you're supposed to so it's extremely impressive you know um and i think you know I think she's absolutely one of the most you know influential and important female racers in in, uh, in drag racing. For sure. Who's someone else we can talk about, Zach? Yeah. So one of mine is uh, that I have is Angel Sampe. You know, growing up um, and watching NHRA, she was like just a constant like throughout all classes. She was with there with to me with like the likes of John Force, like Tony Schumacher. And those type of guys where it came to total dominance, like she dominated the pro stock motorcycle class and she's still super competitive today. I mean, she's at, and she's actually NHRA's winningest female racer. She has 43. Wow. Yeah. She has 43 NHRA uh, victories in pro stock motorcycle, which is uh, yeah, that's astronomical. I mean, that's I a lot imagine, of wall. Couldn't imagine winning <laughs> one, right. She has, she definitely has two rooms in her house full of wallies. So that's for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and all 43 wins puts her fourth most all time in pro stock motorcycle. Uh, and she has three titles in pro stock motorcycle from 2000 in 2000, 2001, 2002. So she, like I said, she's dominated like our youth when I was watching it growing up three years in a row, she won, you know, like she was competing against, you know, Andrew Hines, Matt Smith, um, Antron Brown when he was running like back then, like, and she wasn't just competing against, you know, Joe Schmoes. She, she yeah, some really damn good drivers. She was dominating. And, and something that a lot of people might not know. So she debuted in 1996. And before she actually started racing professionally, she was a nurse. So wow. not only was she a badass on the track, but even off the track, you know, like saving lives and all that. So just super impressive. And I think sometimes like pro stock motorcycle that crowd and those, that group of racers doesn't always get recognized as much because they're quote unquote, the slower class out of, out of the four professional <laughs> categories, even though they're still flying and going over 200 miles per hour. But uh, I mean, and growing up, I just remember watching her at Maple Grove, you know, at, and, you know, well, whatever it's called now, it used to be called the Toyota tire nationals, the keystones, whatever it's called now. Right. <laughs> um, 
you know, she just, you'd see her set records almost every year with speed. And it's just like, it's just insane. And she's just a hell of a racer and, and has made a huge impact in the drag racing sport. Yeah. And, and Zach, I mean, what's fun, that is such an important class too, because I personally think they're the craziest of all of them because you have not no protection around you. I completely agree. And you're on two wheels. Like that's exactly like, I know for me, my balance is horrible. Like it takes me like a solid 10 minutes to get comfortable riding a bike, even though I know how to ride a bike, <laughs> but it's like, it takes me 10 minutes to get comfortable with my balance. Like as sad as that is, but let alone going 200 miles per hour on a motorcycle. Exactly. So it's just, yeah. yeah. And we talk about diverse skill sets and it's just, that's, I think that's a solid theme with our group of female racers where we have highlighted for today, you know? Yeah. So who's, sure. uh, who's another one? So another one we're going to pick with, I think a lot of, a lot of listeners I'm sure they're familiar with is uh Brittany force. So yeah. one of the th- uh, daughters of John force. So, She's the um, second woman to hold the world title in top fuel and the first in 35 years. So, wow. And we have a champion here on our hands. Um, so, she has 10 wins in the top fuel class with a best ET of 3.623 at 338.17 miles an hour. Um, and another fun fact is, uh, you would think that like she probably only learned to drive from her father, the legendary John force, which I'm sure is true. I'm sure. I mean, she, they grew up at the track, right. But she also attended uh, Frank Hawley's drag racing school, which I think your dad went to, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. My dad did, uh, was in Frank Hawley's drag racing school um, probably 15 years ago, maybe yeah. around that time. And he loved it. Yeah. Great teacher a lot of great mental um, tips from that guy. My dad relayed. Well, and and probably, you know, I mean, obviously John force is what I think he's a 16 time world champion. Um, But it's also good from, I mean, that is her father, right? So it's also probably was very beneficial for, for them to get um, some, let's call it training or just, you know, um, from, someone else as well that's in the sport you know because i think family like teaching you certain things that that's always that's always a good thing but you can always learn from things outside of your family though too you know and and people who can maybe even competed against competed against your dad you know like john force for example mm-hmm. um so i mean i think that's probably is one reason just to you know she she didn't just stay only under, you know, um, the guidance of her dad, but also went to a lot of other people for, for guidance and, and, uh, and tips on, on drag race. And, but obviously she has a, a great, um, career legacy here already and is, is still pretty young. So, um, she raced in super pro and top alcohol dragster. And I think most people would have thought that she would have went into a funny car because John force and, Ashley, Courtney, they all ran funny cars. Robert Height, Mike Neff. I mean, they all ran funny cars, right? Yeah. Um, but no, she stuck with the dragster for pro. Debuted in 2013. Got rookie of the year that year as well, which is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. And then three years later, 2016, won her first national event. And then 2017 became top fuel champion. So 
I mean, pretty, pretty damn impressive. And uh, there's, there's a lot more, more to come um, and a lot more that we didn't even cover here, but she's definitely very um, influential in the drag racing sport. And, and she's, she's another one you can tell is very focused on what she's doing and, and very driven. Yeah. I mean, talk about catapulting your career, your first, within your first five seasons, you already have a, a championship. So yeah. And, and again, like you were saying earlier, Zach, in a super competitive field, you're not, you're not driving just against like a guy who shows up, you know, once, <laughs> once, you know, at one race a year, you know, there's like you're, you're racing against again, Antron Brown, you know, Tony Schumacher, Leah. I mean, Pete, some of these people that are, I mean, Doug Coletta. I mean, there some of these people that have been doing it for years and years and years their life their whole life yeah, yeah their whole life yeah no exactly and uh now she yeah like you said yourself there's definitely more more winning to come that's for sure yeah for sure who's someone who's uh someone else uh yeah so our, our last one on our on our list for this this episode we know there's there's a ton more we selected a couple that really stuck out to us shirley muldowney we're going back in the history books uh um, we go you know uh, referred to as cha-cha or the first lady of drag racing, which she really was the first lady of drag racing. So she actually debuted in 1958 um, when the NHRA was only seven years old. And uh, wow. she was eight. So she was 18 when she debuted. Um, and she's actually the first woman to ever license in a top fuel dragster. Uh, that was in 1973 when she licensed in a top fuel dragster. Uh, she, she's an automotive Hall of Famer. She was inducted in 2005. She has three NHRA championships, uh, 1977, 1980, 1982, and she has one IHRA championship. Um, and throughout those championships, she has 18 total NHRA event wins. So, you know, and we're talking, like, like I said, we're talking about the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, like in the 80s. Like at that point in time, you know, a woman <laughs> raising professionally wasn't, wasn't her. Yeah. It was pretty much a male dominated, you know, sport. You, you had, you know, Don Garlitz and Connie Coletta, you know, who uh, Shirley dated for a brief period of time, but you have figures like that, Don Prudhomme, you know, there's just, the list can go on and on. John Forrest, even like from, for years ago, right. like um, all, all male dominated and Shirley just came in and was like, a, was just lit, lit the scene up. And I mean, she wasn't just a flash in a pan, like who just wins, you know, once and then kind of disappears. She won 18 total times. And, three championships in a span of five years. So she dominated from the late seventies to the early eighties. Um, you know, it's just, it's incredible. And another accolade to add is she's the first woman to break the six second barrier in 1975. She went under six seconds, which might sound slow for top fuel now, but back then when the safety wasn't as, you know, up to spec and the technology wasn't there going under six seconds was. Yeah. Those, those cars were scary. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So just, she really, I think she really like was the the trailblazer, you know, when it came to women in drag racing. And not only was she a trailblazer, she was dominant. Like she's, she's in line with one of the best racers of all time. She's not just, you know, the first woman drag racer. She's one of the best ever to do it. And she didn't take any, any shit either. She's a tough, she's a very tough racer, tough person. And, you know, to persevere through a lot of criticism and, you know, a lot of naysay and, and to prove everyone extremely wrong. It's uh, extremely impressive and definitely deserves to be mentioned, you know, like not just in this 
category because it's you know, Women's History Month, but just in general as best drag racers, she should always be mentioned. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, they. I mean, you just you don't you don't set up make a legacy like that by just sitting around. No, no, exactly. She she broke through and she destroyed all the barriers and basically opened it up for any anyone who wanted to race, you know, female or, or whatever. And, uh, you know, to, to surely wrap up, you know, I know from, from my experience in, in racing juniors and seeing the younger generation of drag racers, like my two sisters race, for example. Right. And when you watch the young, the next generation of racers, like the junior, the junior dragster community is probably 60% female. Like it's 60% girls that race. You know, mm-hmm. which you wouldn't think that, but it just goes to show how, you know, people like, you know, like Leah Pruitt, like Angel Sampe, like Brittany Forrest or Courtney Forrest, Ashley Forrest, Shirley Muldowney, and, and like Erica Enders even too, like just shows the impact they have on our, the future of our sport and expanding it, not just to be a male dominated sport, but it's also, you know, it's inclusive of everyone who wants to race, you know, which, which is awesome. Like, the movie right on track from America Enders. I mean, like I've said in a previous episode where we talked about the most influential figures in motorsports, like that was one of the reasons that hooked me in, you know? So, yep. you know, there's a ton of female, you know, racers in the drag racing community that have been extremely influential and, and super powerful and will continue to be. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah, no, you hit it spot on Zach. And I mean, it's not like everyone drives a car, right? Male and female. So it's like, you can race, you know, and it's, uh, we, we definitely, you know, we love seeing, like you were saying about more, more female, um, females coming up through junior drag, um, dragster, you know, and like Jake was saying on our last episode is that, um, a lot of those that are in, um, that are in juniors now, they really go on to be really competitive. Um, so, you know, we expect to see a lot more women, in the sport and in the pro classes, uh, you know, in the next, you know, handful of years. So it's, 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 it's good. We, you know, we're all about like we were touching on earlier at motor and millennials is expanding, expanding, you know, the sport and keeping it alive and bringing it to maybe, you know, bringing it to someone who hasn't, haven't experienced it, or they're looking for a hobby to get into or, um, because this one's addictive is uh, very addictive, right? very addictive so yeah um you know we're we're happy to see it and um like like zach was saying there's a lot more women that we the list could go on and on and on um so if you you have anyone you know that we didn't mention um and you have any fun facts you want to share about them you know throw it in a comment on facebook or instagram you know let us know we're always happy to uh you know chat about it and um you know, like I said, there we go on for hours about it. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. And, uh, you know, speaking of Facebook and Instagram and leaving comments, uh, as we wrap up our show, as always, you can give us a follow, throw some likes, leave some comments on our uh, Instagram and Facebook page at motor millennials. And if you're listening to this podcast, that's great. You could also, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast, we're streaming. So feel free to check us out wherever you prefer, whether it's Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, whatever else there's a million out there. So be sure to, you know, to keep on listening and uh, you know, we appreciate any engagement we can get. So feel free to reach out to us with any comments that you'd like to have. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Keep on motoring. Hit it.